0: Good morning, I'm Rob. I'm one of the pastors here at River Cross. It's great to have you with us, uh, joining here live, in person, in this service. If you're watching online this morning, a welcome to you. If you're listening via a translation device, Welcome to you as well. It's great to have you here. We've been teaching through the Bible starting in the book of Genesis. We're going to go right through to the end. Um, We started the book of 1 Samuel, which is a book in the Old Testament just this past week in our readings. Uh, We'll finish 1 Samuel next weekend, and then we're going to call a timeout for the Christmas season or the Advent season, and uh, we're going to do a series called All I Want for Christmas for the four weeks of Advent, and then it's Christmas Sunday. Did you know that Christmas is on Sunday morning this year? We're going to have one 11 o'clock service. We'll shoehorn you all in here somehow. And then the next weekend, which of course will be uh, the January 1st, Sunday service again, just one that Sunday, 11 AM. And uh, we'll be serving tomato juice in the foyer. So uh, but we're looking forward to that. Um, get in trouble. How many of you have ever been told that you have a big heart or you have a good heart? Anybody? four of you too. We had four at the first service. Okay, let's try this. How many have ever been told that you have a cold heart or a dark heart? More? Okay, that's not good. We have more people that have been told that they have a dark, cold heart than a good heart, so we better get at this. Uh, We're going to talk about the heart this morning, and the word heart occurs over a thousand times in the entirety of Scripture. The word heart and it almost never refers to that organ beneath your chest cage that pulsates blood through your body it always refers to kind of the center of who you are the true you your spiritual home where your true values where your true desires where your true self lives the scripture refers to this place as your heart And one of the things that we see again and again throughout Scripture is God is looking for people who have a heart after him or a heart like his. And the idea is this, that when you and I first become Christians and give our lives to the Lord, the Lord begins to be at work in our heart. And over time and over the years and as we pray and read Scripture and interact with other Christians and and continue to let the Holy Spirit be at work in us, our heart becomes shaped more and more like Christ's. And the idea is is at the end of the day, we are more like Christ. We have a, a larger heart from, for God at the end of our life than we did at the beginning. And this morning as we go through this, the story of 1 Samuel, just the first um, 14 chapters we see three different characters <clears throat> three different persons and we get a sense of their heart either for the Lord or not for the Lord and I think there's some lessons that we can learn here so we're just gonna jump right in we're gonna look at Hannah then we're gonna look at the person of Samuel and then we're going to look at good old Saul so are you ready alright let's jump in let's go right for Hannah first Hannah we find Hannah in the very first chapter in the book of first Samuel and we see her in chapter 1 and in chapter 2 Hannah is married to a guy named Elkanah. Elkanah has many wives, which was a common practice in the Old Testament world. One of his wives is a lady by the name of Penina, and she is fertile myrtle, and she has all kinds of children. And Hannah herself cannot have any children. Not only can Hannah not have children, her sister wives rub it in. They make fun of her, and they tease her. And Hannah is heartbroken and miserable. But what Hannah does with this adversity is important. She goes to worship. She gets into a gathering like this, and she pours her heart out before the Lord. Now, in the ancient world, a church service like this, when they would have prayers like Pastor Matt just let us in in a few minutes, ago, everybody would stand up, And Pastor Matt would say a line, and then everybody would respond, and he'd say another line, and everybody would respond. Prayer was very loud and raucous. Everybody was talking out loud. But in the story of Hannah, she is off to the side, sitting on the fringe. She's not talking out loud. In fact, her mouth is just, her lips are moving, and she's pouring her heart out before the Lord. Now, her pastor, the ever-so-sensitive pastor, goes over to her and accuses her of being drunk early in the morning. He later went for sensitivity training. But she is pouring her heart out, her brokenness out before the Lord, and in the midst of that, she prays this beautiful prayer. And the prayer is simply this, Lord, give me a child, and I will give him back to the Lord. Lord, if you would be so kind and so gracious as to allow me to have a baby, I will raise this child and give him back to you in service. Lord, if you would be so good as to allow me to have my own little child, I will make sure that his rest of his life is devoted to you, no matter what that looks like. And I think this prayer is powerful, and I think it's got application for almost all of us here today. If you're a parent, if you're an aunt or an uncle, if you're a grandparent this morning, this is a great grandparent prayer if you serve in our youth ministry or you work in River Tots or River Kids and any of our kids' programming, this is the prayer that we have to be praying. Lord, if you would give me opportunity to have influence over this little person's life, whether it's as a parent or an uncle or a grandparent or a youth leader, God, my prayer is that they would turn out to follow you, that their life would be devoted to you. This is the prayer you pray when you tuck them in at night. It's the prayer you pray that after they've long fallen asleep and you stand outside of their door and you pray for them while they're sleeping. This is the prayer when you're waiting in bed at night, waiting for them to come home. This is the prayer you pray. God, would you allow me to have influence over this little person's life in such a way that when they grow up, they would serve you. Let's be honest. It is a challenging day to be raising kids. It's a challenging day, grandparents say it. I can't believe the things that my grandkids are exposed to. We never had to deal with those kind of things. And if we did, we never had to deal with them so early and in such volume. It's challenging days. And we can be afraid or we can pray. And Hannah gives us this beautiful prayer to pray for this next generation because at the end of the day that's what we want for our kids we want them to grow up and have a heart for the Lord too we want to see them experience God's grace in their life we want to walk by the room and catch them reading their Bibles we want to sit down with them when they're young adults and they're in a really difficult work environment and they're trying to figure out God how can I be faithful to you in this work setting that is so ungodly and it becomes our opportunity to see that take place. This is the win. And Hannah's gift to us today is this beautiful, selfless prayer that we can use to pray for the next generation, no matter whether they're our kids, somebody else's kids, grandkids, or whether we're working with them in our youth ministry. And Hannah's prayer gets answered and she has a baby boy and his name is Samuel. We're going to look at him next. Hannah's son is Samuel. Samuel learns very early on to hear God's voice. Very early on, his spirit is tender to God's voice in his life. And the Lord describes it this way. The Lord says, I'm going to raise someone up who does what's right in the Lord's heart who does what is right in the Lord's heart. This little boy that I'm gonna raise up is gonna be tender and sensitive to my voice and will obey me. And in a dark time when no one was obeying the Lord, God is gonna raise up this young man who will hear God speak to him and will respond favorably. Now, remember, Hannah's prayer was to give her son back to the Lord and I me- she meant this literally which is to say after she gave birth to her son she raised him for a few years she gave him to the church she gave him to the temple of the day so that he could live there in the building with the priests and volunteer to the religious services which is to say this Hannah dropped Samuel off at youth group on Tuesday night and she never picked him up she left him there and some of you are thinking can you do that? No, you can't And when. Samuel was living with those priests you need to know it was a bad day for the priesthood the priests were crooked They were rotten they were selfish They did whatever they wanted if you passed in a prayer request on the tab You better staple a 50 to it and pass it in or else. It's not going to get prayed for That was the way it was working as Samuel was growing up But he has a different heart He has a different heart and as he gets older and becomes the priest he travels from town to town offering sacrifices meeting people at their point of need interceding for them in prayer caring for them in their times of loss and difficulty helping them sort out difficult family situations giving godly wisdom directing the path and offering large worship gatherings like this in fact hundreds of years later in the book of second chronicles it would say this about samuel there had not been a passover celebration like this since the days of Samuel he was leading a small spiritual awakening in his day through his faithfulness and openness to the Lord and he had become a legend when he walked into town people knew that God was going to be speaking to them and they better pay attention and he was faithful but where we really get a sense of Samuel's heart is how he responds when he gets rejected by the very people he's serving, and that's what happens. Israel, you see, wants a king. Every other nation had a king. We want a king. Every other nation has this guy that has a chariot and robes and a scepter, and he leads people into war. We want one of those. We don't have one of them. Every nation had a capital and a a building where the king lived and resided, and people went and paid homage to him, and he was important, and everybody had a king, and Israel didn't. They wanted a king. What did they have? They had Samuel. I mean, he looked like the Travelocity gnome, okay? I mean, he was short and squat and had sprouting, you know, white hair out of his skull. He had a a little staff and he could barely walk and get from town to town anymore. And he held church services and he prayed for people. And Israel wanted a king. And they rejected Samuel. In fact, they went to Samuel, and this is another group of people that required some sensitivity training. They go up to Samuel, and this is the word Samuel, you're old, and we don't like your kids. And we want a king. And Samuel is heartbroken, and he goes to the Lord in prayer and says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And in, shall we say, a surprising turn of events, the Lord says, Give them a king. How many of you, when you were reading this week, found that strange? that God said sure, give them what they ask for. As I was reading and doing some thinking about that, one of the commentators suggested that the Lord allowed the people to have a king kind of in the same way that parents would say to their kids on November 1st after Halloween, eat as much candy as you like. I don't care. You wanna eat 10 chocolate bars and five bags of chips for breakfast? I don't care. You're gonna barf at lunchtime and then you will learn the lesson of why you should not have done that. Some people believe that God allowed them to have a king so they could see what life looked like outside of his rule and outside of his reign. But regardless, the Lord says, give them a king. And in that moment, we get a glimpse of Samuel's heart. How is he going to respond when he's been rejected? How is samuel going to respond after being faithful and faithful and faithful and faithful that people say we're done with you you're old we don't like your kids we want a king what we see in this moment is samuel is obedient and faithful again he takes this young man by the name of saul he anoints him his king he prays over him and he continues to do the things that the lord has asked him to do AND IT RAISES AN IMPORTANT QUESTION FOR ALL OF US. WILL WE SERVE THE LORD WHEN IT DOESN'T BENEFIT US? WILL WE BE FOUND FAITHFUL TO CHRIST EVEN WHEN IT MEANS WE LOSE? WILL WE BE FAITHFUL TO THE LORD EVEN WHEN IT MEANS WE GET REJECTED? THE PICTURE THAT I HAVE IN MY MIND and some of you may see it this afternoon in a football game, is this guy goes for the, the, the pass in the end zone, he jumps in the air, he makes this beautiful catch, scores the game-winning touchdown, he gets up, spikes the ball, gets on one hand and knee, and he points up to heavens above and gives thanks to God. Have you seen this? Even if you're not a sports fan, you can picture this. Here's what I would love to see, and this is the Samuel story. You go to the end zone to catch the winning pass, and some guy blindsides you with his helmet knocks you out your helmet goes off the ball spins into the air he grabs it returns it all the way to the end zone and wins the game meanwhile the guy that just lost the game can barely get up on one knee and he raises his hand to heaven and gives thanks that is what samuel is doing he continues to be faithful to the lord even though in a sense He's losing, he's been rejected, and he continues to be faithful. How about you today? Are you in a season where maybe the Lord is saying to you, this isn't going to be your season, but I need you to be faithful anyways. The final character is Saul, this newly minted king that Samuel has anointed, that the people have asked for. And as we read Saul's story, we get a sense of his heart as well. And if we're honest, it's easy to beat on Saul. He's one of those Bible characters. We can look at him and say, I can't believe he did that. And we can beat on him and beat on him. But the truth is, of all the three characters in this story, I'm the most like Saul, and maybe you are too. The story of Saul starts out like this. It's bookended by two kind of encounters that encapsulate his life. And we realize that for Saul, God's good at finding donkeys and winning wars. God is, or God is good for finding donkeys and winning wars. In the very first scene that we have of Saul in the scriptures, he's looking for a donkey. He's working for his dad, Keish. Keish has lots of donkeys, and he's lost some, and so he sent Saul out to go find the donkeys. They're worth money, you know. And so he's off looking, and he's looked everywhere, and he's tried everything, but he can't find them. Saul has clearly not been raised in a religious home, he has no idea who Samuel is, but he has heard this rumor about this religious guy somewhere that sees things and knows stuff and can consult the divine and can maybe get something done for me. So he says to his servant who he's traveling with, let's go find this religious guy and maybe he can help us find our donkeys. And he does. It's Samuel. Now, actually, this story doesn't bother me too, too, too too much. For a lot of us, our very first encounter is a situation similar to that, we're in need of something. We've hit a roadblock in life, we get bad test results, something at home has gone sideways, Uh, there's a difficult situation at work, and so we kind of reach out to God in a moment of need, just because maybe someone has suggested it, we go to a church service, we call a friend who's a Christian, for whatever reason we reach out to God in this very first moment and encounter. And hopefully, in that moment, we discover an entire world of faith that we've been blind to all along. But for Saul, it'd be fine if this was his first encounter. But near the end of his rule as king, he does the same thing again. It's now near the end of the reign, and Saul is going off to war against a neighboring army. But he starts to lose. It becomes very evident to him, unless there's something major that happens, they're going to lose the war. So Saul gets a great idea. We'll have a sacrifice, we'll offer an offering to the Lord. We will have a very spiritual moment here, which in turn will turn the thing around. When God sees that we're now bringing him into the equation, he will help us. If we attach God's name to this thing, he won't let it fail. God doesn't want to be on this if it's failing. And so he uses God and he offers a sacrifice, which by the way, if you've done your Old Testament reading, no king offers sacrifices. That is exclusively the work of priests. But in his thinking, if he can bring God into this endeavor somehow, then it has to succeed. And can you guess what happens? God allows it to fail and allows it to fail miserably. And Saul's heart is revealed for what it is in that moment. Someone who uses God to get what they want. In Saul's heart, God is a lucky rabbit foot. He's a good luck charm. And if I find myself in a jam, I'm going to pull it out and this will get me out of this situation. Think of it this way. Imagine a 60-plus couple. It's after supper. They're sitting there doing the dishes and the phone starts to ring. Husband looks on the call display, he looks at it and he hesitates for a minute and his wife says, well, well, who is it? And it's their oldest son, Jeff. And immediately, mom, without having to think, just instinctively says, well, I wonder what he wants. You see, Jeff only calls when he needs something. When he needs money, or maybe when he needs babysitting, or when he needs to borrow their truck. He only ever calls when he needs something. And neither the husband nor the wife say anything to each other. But again, they're reminded of the deep hurt of the fact that their son just uses them for their stuff. In the same way in our relationship with God, it's a huge temptation for us to actually think about our relationship with Christ outside of what can you do for me, and when can I call on you to help me out of a bind or a jam that I've gotten myself into. When we need God, when we come to church or we pray or we read our Bibles or we've got a big meeting coming up this week so I better uh, go to church twice on Sunday or I've got this doctor's appointment coming out so I'm going to get my Bible out and rip that cellophane wrapper off it and get it all set out and put it on the coffee table. And at the end of Saul's life, he's still using God in this kind of a way. But the reality is we make the same mistake that Saul makes and his mistake is this. He's going to try to substitute the actual living, breathing God of the universe for a religious ceremony. Because all along, God was with him. All along, God was trying to help him. All along, God was right there. And instead of being open to receiving his help and open to being a relationship with him, Saul thinks he can just pull off a ceremony, pull off an offering, and bail himself out of the jam that he's gotten himself into. And for you and I, we must always remember that the Lord is there wanting to be in relationship with us. Saul's military journey at this point ends in chapter 13 when we have those difficult, difficult words of Samuel when after seeing what Saul has done, says to him this, Saul, God is going to take your leadership away from you and replace you with someone who has a heart like his not someone with better leadership skills not someone with better military experience not someone with more education someone with a heart like God's heart because at the end of the day that is what God is looking for for you and I to have a heart like his a heart that listens that honors that obeys I'm not sure which of these stories may resonate with you this morning, whether it's Hannah's prayer, Samuel's faithfulness in the face of rejection, or Saul's temptation just to use God to get what he wants. But it's my prayer this morning that for all of us we will take some time just to reflect on our own heart. Are we growing in an awareness of who the Lord is and what he wants from us? Are we growing in a sense of my heart is becoming more and more Like his. It's what he wants for us today. Let me pray for us. Lord, today we thank you that you care about the state and the condition of our hearts. And if our hearts are cooling towards you, if we are becoming less responsive to your Holy Spirit's activity in our life, then, God, we know that that concerns you and that you are right there wanting to help us turn that around. So, Lord, today we just pray for a real openness about the condition of our hearts to you and pray that we would be open to be faithful, to be obedient, and to hear what it is you have to say to us.